Now we are live, but we're not actually live. This is an absolute first for me. I'm recording this live, although no one's going to see it until it is aired for the first time exclusively for the post-millennial. Uh, exclusive legal analysis and breakdown of the Steve Bannon trial, which got underway today despite Steve Bannon's best efforts, day one of the trial, jury selection. Now, before we get started, we need to situate ourselves as to who I am, how did I get here, and why are you watching me? David Freiheit, a Montreal litigator turned YouTuber and now a Montreal litigator, moved to Florida. You may know me better from my YouTube channel, Viva Fry, and from other legal analyses, breakdowns of things going on in the world that just don't make sense to most people, such as Donald Trump indictment number one. Donald Trump indictment number two, the Michael Flynn judicial saga, uh, the Rittenhouse trial. Today, exclusively for the post-millennial, I'm going to be doing a daily recap of the Steve Bannon contempt of Congress trial that got underway today with jury selection. But now that you know who I am in the event that you didn't, let's start by situating everyone in this trial itself, starting with how did we get here? Who is Steve Bannon? Why is he being prosecuted for contempt of Congress? What does it mean? And what happened on day one of the trial? Steve Bannon, for those of you who may not know, I'm going to share a window, uh, is a former Trump advisor. Uh, the media will never let you forget it because, you know, it's Trump. And anyone directly or indirectly associated with Trump, as we have now seen, through a highly politicized and weaponized prosecutorial and judicial system is in the crosshairs of what has been established as the January 6th investigative committee, congressional committee. Uh, this is Stephen Bannon, former aide to Donald Trump, now going to trial because his requests to have the trial postponed were denied. Um, former advisor, served for a very short period of time before Trump let Steve Bannon go. So at the time of all of these events, Steve Bannon wasn't officially part of the Trump administration. Why is that relevant? We'll get to it later when it comes to this thing known as executive privilege. But Steve Bannon was, once upon a time, part of Trump's team. And he'll never be forgotten, and he will always be a target. You may recall that Steve Bannon has faced charges such as we build the wall indictment. He received a pardon from Trump, and the politics being what it is, people have found a way to go after Steve Bannon yet again, this time for defying a congressional subpoena in the context of the committee that had been formed to investigate the events around the January 6th insurrection that never was, as confirmed by the FBI, who themselves came out and said, scant evidence that the events of January 6th were coordinated consisted of any form of insurrection, a violent protest. Yes, we can probably all agree on that. An insurrection, only if you work for the likes of CNBC, MSNBC, CNN, and the list goes on. So we all know what happened on January 6th, a day that will go down in infamy. Uh, people stormed the Capitol. Some people stormed the Capitol. Others were let into the Capitol building by officers who opened the doors to them uh, to attempt to block the certification of Joe Biden, the now president of the United States of America. They were seeking to protest what they felt was an unfair election. 
block the certification so that Joe Biden would actually not get certified as the president and do you know, certain things that are permitted under the constitutional process to block or impede certification of a president that they felt was illegitimate. January 6 has been described as some as being on par with 9-11, with Pearl Harbor. Um, and I will dare say that anybody who makes that comparison or that analogy is doing a great disservice to the actual atrocities that were 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. But politics being what it is, words have no meaning, events have no meaning, and you can just call everything the worst things, the worst names possible if you want to do it for the purposes of framing. January 6 is being treated probably more seriously and investigated more thoroughly than 9-11 itself, which shows you where the priorities of Congress are. But setting that aside, January 6th was the day that will live in infamy, an insurrection, the, an attack on the core of the Constitution itself, ironically enough, using certain mechanisms provided in the Constitution itself. But discussion for another day. It was an attack on democracy, and they need to get to the bottom of it. And so a congressional committee was formed to investigate the events of January 6. This committee, the legitimacy of which is somewhat in question, somewhat questionable. There are people who feel that this committee is invalid on its face and therefore any subpoenas they issue are invalid on their face will get there as well. This committee was uh, formed and established under House Resolution 503, which constituted this committee, an alleged bipartisan committee to investigate the events they call it, uh, I believe the term they use in their resolution is an act of domestic terrorism to refer to the events of January 6th. And they use that word over and over and over again in that resolution as though somehow that insidious misrepresentation of what occurred on January 6th will somehow become reality. But setting that aside, the committee forms. It empowers itself to investigate pretty much anything and everything directly or indirectly related to the events of that day to understand how what happened that day could have happened. And under the powers of this committee that they have vested themselves with, Congress has the power to issue subpoenas to compel witnesses to come and testify on that of which they know uh, as detailed in the subpoena so the congressional committee can investigate and get to the bottom of this. In the context of this investigation, the committee issues a subpoena to one Stephen K. Bannon. Important to note that Steve Bannon was not even present on the day of January 6th. He was not in the Capitol building. He was not present on January 6th, but he was present the day before when he is alleged to have said something to the effect of all hell is going to break loose tomorrow. Steve Bannon has a wildly popular uh, podcast, a wildly popular social media platform, which might explain why he's being targeted like this. Um, but he wasn't even there on January 6th. He made some statements on January 5th. He's wildly popular. And so the committee has decided we're going to investigate Steve Bannon because he might have had something, something to do with how the events of January 6th unfolded. And therefore, it's within the purview of this committee that we've established and the powers that we have given ourselves to issue a subpoena to Steve Bannon I won't go through the subpoena now, but to say that it was mm, drafted in a manner that could be qualified as a fishing expedition would be an understatement. They basically said, we want to hear what you have to say as to how the things of January 6th could have occurred. 
uh, and we want to ask you questions on everything and anything. We want to compel you to produce documents. Steve K. Bannon says, no, I benefit from something known as executive privilege. Because I was once upon a time part of the Trump administration, uh, I cannot be compelled through the benefit that is executive privilege to disclose any communications that I have had with the executive branch. Steve Bannon also relying on um, old OLC memos, Office of Legal Counsel memos, as relates to what is known as the concept of executive privilege, believes that he's even further empowered to defy or not be compelled by the congressional subpoena because he benefits from executive immunity, executive privilege. Steve K. Bannon, through counsel, says not complying, does not comply, does not show up to testify on the date he was purportedly compelled uh, to show up to testify on, does not produce the documents requested in this congressional subpoena, and he is, in fact, indicted on contempt of Congress. Indicted on contempt of Congress. People have to appreciate how exceedingly rare this is. He's indicted on contempt of Congress on two charges. Two charges, one of which was failing to appear as required uh, under the subpoena, and the other one was failing to produce documents as required by the subpoena. As we can see here, count one, two USC section 192, contempt of Congress testimony, Count two, 2 USC, Section 192, Contempt of Congress, papers. He did not provide the papers. He did not provide his body. He didn't even show up to plead the fifth. He says, I've got executive privilege. You can't compel me. And he raises a number of other arguments. Also, it's an invalidly formed committee. Uh, and therefore, any subpoena they've issued is invalid on his face. We'll get there. But he doesn't show up. Gets indicted. There is crime running rampant in... Uh, certain cities across America. Arguably other bigger fish to fry, but no, the Department of Justice proudly on the website proclaims a grand jury has indicted Steve K. Bannon on two counts, one for failing to provide testimony, one for failing to provide the papers requested. Okay. Uh, his trial is scheduled and is scheduled for this week. Leading up to this trial, we have all heard of this... <laughs> Some people call it kangaroo court. Other people call it a uh, kabuki theater and other people call it outright political witch hunts. Uh, that is the January 6th committee. They have started holding live hearings. The January 6th committee launched live hearings after 500 days of investigation to parade around the new evidence that they've discovered over the last 500 days. Prime time, Thursday night, 8 o'clock, was their first public hearing. I, I don't even want to call it a kangaroo court because it would be an insult to marsupials. Kangaroos are actually cute and have delicious meat for anybody who's interested. High protein, low fat. And I don't want to call it a court because it's an absolute joke. There's, there's nothing legal about the proceedings. There's nothing legal about the hearings. It's pure political theater. It's not a court because... Despite the fact that this committee is called bipartisan, there's nothing bipartisan about it. The bipartisan aspect of this um, committee consists of Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, uh, two Republicans who were handpicked and appointed by Nancy Pelosi. So there's nothing bipartisan about this committee. There's nothing courtish about these hearings. It's pure theater, scripted theater in the most literal sense, as in they've 
edited together their video evidence. They've prepared their witnesses who do not get cross-examination, uh, who do not get cross-examined. And they present this at prime time to the people as though it's bona fide committee hearings, you know, uh, a thorough investigative process. At the time when Steve Bannon is scheduled to go to trial, these hearings start in the weeks leading up to it. In the week leading up to Stephen Bannon's trial, uh, hearings continue. And Steve Bannon is like, you know, the celebrity of these hearings. He's the, one of the biggest names that continually comes up in the context of these hearings, which are broadcast live, broadcast to the public in the week leading up to Bannon's trial, where day one consists of jury selection. Not only are these committee hearings conveniently scheduled uh, in the weeks leading up to Bannon's trial, CNN, the government lapdog propagandists that they are, sorry to use terminology, which might be hyperbolic or inflammatory, um, they decide Sunday afternoon is the prime time to run what can only be described as a hit piece on Steve Bannon on the eve, the literal eve of his trial. Steve Bannon, knowing all of this, um, knowing that this is arguably but not arguably highly prejudicial to his ability to get a fair trial in D.C., no less, asks uh, to delay the trial on a number of bases, on a number of occasions. Uh, on the one hand, asks to delay the trial because perhaps most importantly, ever since these contempt proceedings were initiated, the indictment uh, levied, uh, most recently, Trump waived whatever executive privilege uh, he told Bannon Bannon had or whatever executive privilege Bannon thought he had. And Bannon says, I'll testify now. These contempt proceedings, this indictment becomes academic. It becomes moot. As we say in French, it becomes sans objet. There's no longer any object to the contempt because I'm ready to comply. Not good enough. The court does not delay the trial. And Congress is apparently not sufficiently happy with Bannon's uh, public statement to the effect that he will now testify. Uh, whatever executive privilege he thought he benefited from, it's been waived. He's ready to testify. Not good enough for Congress. They want to go after him. They want to get blood from a turnip. And the judge says, no, we're not delaying the trial for that reason. Trial proceeds. Bannon, you know, after having asked for five bucks from somebody, says, I'm going to ask for 50 bucks now, says, Ask a second time, judge, delay the trial because of the prejudicial effect that this publicity from the hit piece on CNN is going to have on me and my ability to get a fair jury. Uh, the congressional hearings are prejudicial. Delay the trial for that. Judge, who is a Trump appointee, says, nope, no delay. You're going to trial. Not only has this judge not delayed the trial for reasons which I think are good reasons, but ultimately would not have had any impact on Bannon's ability to get a fair trial in D.C. given demographics, which we're going to get to. Not only did the judge not delay the trial, but earlier on, the judge has basically stripped and deprived Bannon of any and all of his defenses in law. Bannon's defenses to the contempt of Congress, there are several of them. They are legal in nature and not questions of fact to be submitted to a jury. Bannon argues, first of all, this committee is unlawfully formed. It consists of only nine members, not 13 five of which were supposed to be appointed by the Republicans, but were not. Uh, Nancy Pelosi then self-appointed two of the Republicans to make this bipartisan. It doesn't meet the quorum or the threshold required. It says it shall be consisting of 13 members, not may be consisting of 13 members. And 
the bipartisan aspect of this was not bipartisan. It was purely partisan picks from Nancy Pelosi. Bannon says, the committee's unlawful, illegitimate to begin with. Therefore, no subpoena can be compelling. Therefore, I cannot be in contempt of any subpoena, which was not lawfully issued. He says, I'm, I'm entitled to executive privilege. I'm entitled also to rely on a memo from the Office of Legal Counsel dating back about executive privilege. The judge says, no, these are not questions or defenses that are going to be submitted to the jury. You cannot plead them because my understanding, they're pure questions of law and not questions of fact for a jury to uh, adjudicate on. Even in a jury trial, the judge is the trier of evidence. The jury is the trier of fact. And the judge says, no, these are legal arguments. There's precedent to the effect that you do not get to rely on professional reliance, old memos. Um, and the committee, according to a prior judgment, has been allowed to continue its investigation. And therefore, you cannot claim the committee was unlawfully formed and therefore the subpoena invalid. So the judge has effectively stripped Bannon of any meaningful legal defense has not allowed the trial to be delayed given what can arguably be seen as uh, prejudicial effect in selecting an unbiased jury selection. And the trial has been ordered to proceed today as it did on day one. Day one consisting of jury selection in D.C. For those of you who may not know, uh, getting... Um, a good mix, politically speaking, of a DC jury trial. Uh, there's a thing called statistics and odds in this world. And you can't argue with statistics and you can't argue with odds. They are what they are. Washington, DC as a district, from my understanding, is like 92 plus, 95% Democrat and staunchly Democrat. So you can know that if you even had your selection from 100 members of the general public of Washington, DC, 95 of them, are going to be Democrat Hillary Clinton supporters, or now Joe Biden supporters, but maybe not Joe Biden, just Democrat supporters. So you know right off the bat, uh, whether or not you're getting a fair trial, whether or not you're getting a trial by a jury of your peers, you know, politically, demographically speaking, the chances are 95% you're going to end up with nine and a half of 10 jury members who are Democrats. So much so, by the way, just to open a slight parenthesis, We've all heard of this guy named Michael Sussman, attorney for the DNC, attorney for Hillary Clinton, uh, computer specialist guy, attorney. He also was recently indicted on charges of having lied to the FBI in the context of him having met with the FBI to provide to the FBI a totally phony, fabricated, bogus dossier showing that Trump had back-end channels to a Russian bank and that the FBI should investigate. The dossier was so so ridiculous that even the FBI said this looks like it was written by someone who has issues. Um, Michael Sussman was also known to the FBI as being the attorney for the DNC and Hillary Clinton because during that prior hack into the DNC, Sussman was the attorney of record dealing with the FBI and CIA and intelligence. Okay, Sussman was indicted on having made a false statement to the FBI in the context of an investigation because he allegedly lied when he met with the FBI and provided them with this phony dossier showing Trump allegedly was working with the Russians. When asked if he was there for and on behalf of a client, Sussman said no. Unfortunately, Sussman also billed that client, that being Hillary Clinton and or the DNC, for the meeting with the FBI to provide them that fake dossier so that they should investigate Donald Trump and alleged fabricated ties to Russia. Lied to the FBI's face. They said, are you here for and on behalf of a client? 
Sussman said no, and then went home and, for whatever the reason, billed the Hillary Clinton campaign or Hillary Clinton herself for that meeting with the FBI. Dead to rights, ordinarily, in any other jurisdiction other than D.C., Michael Sussman, dead to rights on the substance of those accusations, went to trial and was acquitted because I think one of the jury members went public afterwards and made a statement to the effect of, there are bigger fish to fry than Sussman's meaningless lie to the FBI as to who he was there representing when he met with the FBI, saying he was there as a concerned citizen, giving them this file, uh, this phony dossier. And by the way, the, the, the DNC Hillary Clinton campaign also paid Sussman to create the fake dossier, but setting that aside, acquitted. Because DC and partisan politics is what it is. You can be guilty and dead to rights. And if you're politically aligned, you'll get acquitted in DC, which doesn't much leave much hope for Bannon, who's publicly enemy, public enemy number one, politically speaking, now going into a jurisdiction where politically aligned, guilty as sin, acquitted, politically not aligned, probably guilty, uh, just by nature of what contempt of a congressional subpoena means, good luck finding uh, a jury that might acquit Steve Bannon. You know darn well how it's going to go. And the jury selection started today and no surprises. Um, it's in federal court. So the hearing is not publicly broadcast like with Rittenhouse, like with Johnny Depp. There are people in there live tweeting uh, in certain media rooms. And then you can get into the main room from what I understand, pen and paper only. But people are reporting on jury selection. And it seems uh, jury selection is what jury selection is. From what I have been told from people on the ground, uh, majority white, a good split between men and women. And from all accounts today, more of the same. Uh, you have some prospective jurors saying, I'm not going to believe a word Steve Bannon says because of who he affiliates with. Another juror uh, has connections. Uh, it's a, it's a it's an incestuous world, DC. The legal community is pretty incestuous. Put those together. In the Michael Sussman trial, you had members of the jury who played ball with uh, some of the attorneys, who played ball with Sussman. I mean, people who are so connected. It, it's a, it, there's no other word other than describing it as an incestuous relationship of, of, of connections. Pol politics, law, etc. Starting off today again, a lot of people are connected, know people who know people or are like staunch donors to the Democrat Party. So it's going to be what it is. I think at this point in time, uh, I don't think they've completed the jury selection. It'll continue to tomorrow. And then we're going to hopefully start the trial, which as uh, Bannon's attorney said, well, Your Honor, you've stripped us of all of his grounds of defense. What are we going to trial on? To which the judge said, good question. We're going to go through jury selection. They know they're going to get a jury that is, if it's not 95% uh, anti-Bannon, pro-Democrat, it's 100% pro-Democrat, anti-Bannon. You know you're going to get it. Uh, what is going to be Bannon's defense? Who knows? He's going to get to cross-examine some of the witnesses of the prosecution. But you have to bear in mind, prosecution just has to come in and say, Mr. Bannon, did you receive this subpoena? Did you comply with it, as in meet on the dates specified? Did you provide the documents? No. Yes, I received it. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. End of story. Bannon will get to cross-examine. Uh, and I'm not sure how far he's going to get to go with the cross-examination because it's not going to turn into a fishing expedition, even in defense. Apparently, Bannon is going to be allowed to have counsel testify 
But Bannon has been precluded from the professional reliance uh, defense. So the, the lawyer is not going to be able to testify on that in front of the jury, which is going to be 95 to 100% pro-Democrat, anti-Bannon, anti-Trump. So we'll see where it goes. That's where it's at as of today, day one. That is the overview. Whether or not this trial even lasts the week it was scheduled to last, I'm skeptical. There isn't much to go to trial on here. Interesting to note, the two charges, uh, contempt of Congress for testimony, contempt of Congress for papers, they have a minimum and a maximum sentence. Minimum sentence of one month in prison and a $100 fine, I believe. Maximum sentence of a $1,000 fine and one year in prison per charge. From what I understand, a judge cannot even say, Bannon, you're, I'm not even giving you the minimum. Minimum is required minimum. There would be a question as to whatever sentence would be served concurrently or consecutively. We'll see. But uh, look, you're not, you don't have to be a gambling man to say Bannon's probably going to get convicted because on its face, it doesn't look good. And let alone in the jurisdiction and from what we're hearing of the stories coming out of the prospective jurors, you know darn well, there's almost no point in fighting. One of the jurors, by the way, this is coming from Boots on the Ground, uh, Joe Nearman, Good Logic. And I discussed this in my podcast live stream today with Robert Gouveia watching The Watchers and Joe Nearman, Good Logic. One of the prospective jurors uh, was, in fact, a lawyer. And it became known that this lawyer had a case pending in front of the very same judge, had motions pending in front of this judge. Both the prosecution and the defense apparently were prepared to allow this juror to sit on the jury. My theory is maybe as a lawyer, the, the lawyer would understand the law a little bit. But at one point, the judge then says, raises these issues and says, look, I, I, I thought you guys were going to strike this guy. I'm going to raise this sua sponte. This guy should not be a juror. He's got a, a, a trial in front of me and motions pending in front of me. And I'm thinking like, how did it even get to the point where the judge didn't raise that right off the bat to disqualify this prospective juror? Like I say, I'm a Canadian lawyer and I only did commercial litigation. I studied criminal law. I know how it works. And I've had some meaningful now uh, acquisition of knowledge over the life of my YouTube channel. But I don't know how both parties said yes. And it was only after both parties said yes that the judge raised the fact that this prospective juror has a trial or motions pending in front of this very judge. Uh, but that is the nature of what's going on right now. At some point, it becomes almost meaningless or illusory to strike jurors because <laughs> you're striking the juror with someone who you know is going to be probably just as politically motivated. But at the end of the day, this case, now that Bannon's defenses have been effectively uh, deprived to him, there's not much for a jury to hear here. Did you receive the subpoena? Did you comply with it? Yes and no. There's not much for a jury to decide. So we'll see where it goes. We'll see if there's any other drama uh, on the jury selection side. And other than that, I will be doing another exclusive summary analysis for the post-millennial after day two, after day three. And if this goes five days, you'll have five days of Viva. But I'm predicting this trial ends early. Uh, I'm predicting it ends in a conviction. And I predict that it's going, well, it has to end with jail time if there's a conviction because minimum sentencing for these two charges. Bannon is probably going to be going to jail for a month or two so that they can prove a point so that this committee can terrorize anybody who receives one of these congressional subpoenas. There will be um, very good grounds for appeal because despite a prior court ruling on the committee being allowed to conduct its investigation, 
there are legitimate and very meaningful questions in law as to whether or not this committee is lawfully formed to begin with and whether or not they can even issue uh, binding subpoenas uh, that people have to comply with. So we'll see. This is day one. Day one of, we'll see how many. Viva Fry, David Fry, uh, this has been a pleasure. Post-millennial, we'll be posting the update tomorrow. And uh, check out my live streaming during the day, Viva Fry. And if you like what you see, share and subscribe. Peace out, peeps.